Michael Blaine and Mickey, Friday edition. What's going on, everybody? Beautiful day outside. It's football weather. You're probably going to go to a high school game tonight and maybe going to a college game tomorrow. You're just going to watch like nine or 13 of them on TV. And you got Titans and Colts this weekend in a big divisional matchup. Oh, my goodness. Man, we're fired up. Next two hours, we're going to be talking about all of it, too. Uh, Buck Rising will join us in just a few minutes. We'll get the latest headlines from the Titans. Matt Hayes who is our buddy from Jacksonville, works for 1010 XL Radio. He covers the Jags. He covers the Gators. Uh, he covers all of college football, so he's a great guest. He'll join us in hour number two. Uh, Mike Vrabel is actually speaking here in a minute. We'll try to tap into some of that Vrabel, but first let's tap into this. Blaine Bishop joining us today via Zoom. He's got, like, a whiteboard behind him. <laughs> what, hey, man, what in the world's going on? Give us the hey, one. I'm one. ready to, you know, I'm at my high school. I'm ready to teach geometry, man. You see, you know, I have no idea what any of this mess means. I have no idea. So, But, you know, if they were going to talk about some football, I could give them, you know, the geometry to that or, you know, uh, <laughs> calculus or anything else. But, yeah, I'm in the uh, marketing room here at my university. I mean, in my high school. I feel like I'm at a university because this wing was not – there when I was here in high school. So uh, they had actually had his homecoming. So it was a pep rally. Kids are outside running around. It's, you know, it's like a college campus uh, here up on a hill uh, in high school. So just think about that. Uh, growing up in high school, going up a hill and have everything up on an isolated landlocked hill. So pretty fun to be back. Uh, uh, my teammates, the head coach now. And so it's really exciting just to see all the guys come in and all the changes that have been done uh, just to, you know, to the building and everything else and places that I've spoken, having a lot of memories. Uh, so it's a special place to me uh, and it's, it's, it's family. And uh, man, they took me in with open arms, a, a little uh, knucklehead kid who just loved to play football, uh, took him out of the projects and brought him in and made him into the man he is today. So no doubt about it. I love Cathedral High School. I know you do, man. That pride, just anytime you talk about it, you swell up with pride. I, I love, I love, I know you're back there today to get honored, right, with some of your teammates. So it's a, it's a big yeah. occasion, man. You couldn't miss that. I'm glad you're still getting to do the show, but I'm real, I'm real happy about what you're getting to do. Yeah. You know what? I, you know, and I've always missed some of these times always because I was doing something and I really said, I got to break my neck. I'm not even going to tell you, I left today at 4 a.m. I know you were in your REM sleep at that time, uh, especially <laughs> Lucas, for sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and on the road and then got to stop and uh, see some uh, family uh, before I came up here to Cathedral. So, uh, yeah, it was well worth it and uh, just excited. So I'm having a lot of energy. I'm wondering if I'm going to run out of gas, though, like 10 o'clock at night tonight. Like, I go, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Uh, you're gonna make I it. actually woke up at two. Oh, I woke no. up at two and got up and packed, showered, and uh, did all my research for the show at 2 a.m. By the way, <laughs> I went to bed at seven o'clock. My wife was pretty upset at me for that. Well, yeah, uh, I went to bed at seven, I was capable of doing that, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> you should see his I face. am not. I could not do that. Uh, and I, I, I have trouble going to sleep. I have. Tr I, I mean, I'm having anything sleep related is not pleasant for me right now. But uh, Mike Vrabel not yet at the podium. So here's what we know: Carson Wentz actually practiced today, Blaine, and the indie media is basically passing it off as like he went out and did individual drills that he was doing all sorts of stuff. Looked like nothing was wrong today. I know you've talked about this before. Sometimes people get up, they get the adrenaline, and maybe they can do something, but then it's how do you feel the next day after doing stuff? 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I've been down here and I've been on a couple of radio shows. So yeah, hear them say that he moved around and was doing some things. I was stunned, uh, you know, because I told him, well, you prepare for the offense. And if Wentz plays, I think actually that's a good thing for the Titans. And I say that in that, not because he's not a good player. I know some people are going to make that assumption, but he was actually playing pretty solid in my mind. Did they, they win? No. So obviously, obviously you think, okay, that wasn't good enough. So he didn't play very well. I don't know everybody makes fun of the shovel pass and everything else, but I thought he was playing solid, not porous. And, you know, so I think uh, he'll be a little immobile. He'll be wanting to get rid of the ball. Uh, he's susceptible now to getting injured easier. Uh, and he's going to try to tough it out. So if he does, I think that plays in the hands to the Titans because you now I'm saying go after him. If you, you see that, you you go after him and see you test his mobility within the scheme of what you're doing in your game plan. But you may dial it up a little sooner than you want to just to see and test him, see if he gets a little skittish. And the coach says, all right, yeah, yeah, you're not healthy enough. We got to get you out of there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd be shocked. But, uh, yeah, man, guys are tough in the NFL. And, hey, guess what? They got something called the Tordal, and that Tordal still exists today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I played through things. I felt like I was as young as Lucas. And and, I, and the next day, I felt like I was as old as Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, man, that Tordal shot, I don't know what's in it. It may kill me. So, you know, you never know. <laughs> well, you know, croak over tomorrow. You'll know why it was the torn off shots. <laughs> All jokes aside. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, so that I'm not surprised, but if I was them, I'd play on the safer side and let, let Hunley or, or Eason, but they know how critical this game is. Right. You go down 0-3, man, you're fighting an uphill battle all season long. And really your only shot is trying to, win the division and, and hopefully you, you you beat you know the texans and the jags because man that stuff's sledding there so the odds are uh against them but hey bring it on hey tighten up hey i'm, I'm cheering for the Titans. i was always you know you know me mike vrabel uh he knows you and he's talking right now let's take a quick you know listen me. let's take a quick peek into mike vrabel's friday press conference he has already said this is per turon davenport on twitter mike vrabel said he expects taylor lewan to be ready to go and do his job Let's drop in live now and catch Mike Vrabel in progress. So we practiced. Anyone ruled out for uh, for, for Sunday? Yeah, isn't that John? Yeah, that's usually John's question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you'll figure it out, Ben. Um, uh, Roberson, um, Caleb Farley, and Ferkser. You mentioned it could be one of three guys for them at quarterback on Sunday. Do you have to prepare for each individual guy or just – their offense and what they do? Uh, I think that's a little bit of both, but probably mostly just, you know, you know they, they've got a lot of a lot of guys that, that we have a lot of respect for, you know, really talented backs, you know, two tight ends they're willing to throw the ball to, uh, big receivers, you know, so it's, it, there's there's plenty of other guys there to worry about. It's just the focus of, you know, we'll have to see in which direction, you know, they go um, on Sunday. Just take hold at all of the fact that you can make them go 0-3, take a hole in the division as motivation, or is it just every opponent is sort of the same? Well, I mean, I, ho- I don't think that that's any motivation. I hope we go out there and we're ready to compete and, and finish uh, and, and, and execute. But, I and mean, we've talked about, yeah, this is a division game. It's our it's our first division game, you know, and it's at home. So you'd obviously like to get off to, you know, a great start inside the division. 
Titans had a stat they gave out this this week about Julio Jones. Uh, I think in terms of closely contested catches, he's top of the charts over the last six seasons. What, well, you know, what's that mean? Uh, you know, I guess is that the tribute to sort of battle skills and you know, in terms of contested catches. Well, I mean, I think worse match coverage. There, there's going to be some contested catches in this league. That's that's something that we're very aware of. I think that that's, you know, I think you saw that the other day. You know, going up, getting the football, using his skill set, his length, his his strength, all those types of things that, you know, when the quarterbacks see a guy like that and they know that he can catch the ball in traffic, that they're going to give him a chance. You know, and that's what Ryan did last week. When you have conversations with Dupree, how has he come along just as far as like distancing himself from that injury? Well, I mean, I think he's still working, you know, you know, to to be back and, and improve and, and just it, it's it's the recovery. You know, I think that that's where, you know, that that's where we're at now is just trying to find out what's the best plan, you know, for for Bud each and every week. That that's where it is. So you're talking about like recovery after games. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, how how it responds after games, and you know, that's all part of, you know, everybody's plan, whether it's Derek or or Bud or anybody else. How cool is it to have the uh, Oiler legends in town, and how cool is it to see your current players kind of talk with them and and. and Get to know them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys don't remember, you know, the Oilers like like I do. And, you know, I told them when you're an only child, you know, when you want to play football, you throw the ball up to yourself and you catch it. And I used to pretend that I was, you know, Billy White Shoes Johnson and, and trying to do the dance when I was little. And um, this is this is something that's special for for not only our, our football team now, but, you know, for those 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 men that, that played and built a foundation for this organization that were the Oilers that, that are now – you know, the Tennessee Titans. And uh, you know, those guys are always welcome here. You know, to, to be able to introduce our football team to, to four uh, National Football League Hall of Famers, you know, I think is, is pretty special. Um, the type of men they are, the type of people they are. So, you know, it was good to see those guys have fun and interact with those guys. Did you ever do the dance? Could I do it? Yeah. I'm not certainly doing it now. Not, my touchdown days are over. Because my, my touchdown days are over. If we get a taunting on Sunday doing that dance, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> did you ever have a significant injury that you had, like a lot of scar tissue and that you had to work through? I wonder how difficult that, that is if you, if you had something like that. Mm. No, I never, had a, I never had a knee surgery. I mean, I mean, I guess the double hernia, probably some scar tissue there. So, um, you know, every, every injury is, is carries its own. Um, issues as far as recovery and kind of things that you go through. And, you know, again, we make decisions about uh, injuries as far as guys making it worse. Can they protect themselves and can they reasonably do their job? So and that's kind of how we track things. Every coach got his own style. I mean, do you remember Bum Phillips very well? And what do you remember maybe about how he, he coached his teams? Uh, you know, I don't really remember. I was too young to remember how he coached his team. I mean, I just remember, I guess, the hat and, you know, the wardrobe. Thanks, guys. So that's Mike Vrabel. Interesting. Mike Vrabel and Mickey Ryan, both big fans of Billy White Shoes Johnson. I did not see that coming today, Blaine, but he, just like me, <laughs> pretended to be number 84. That's why I wore number 84 was Billy White Shoes. Man, I, I know you're a big fan. That's that's why you wore that number even growing up, right? Even yes. to this day. Now, you had an, I, I think you're going to have an opportunity to meet him, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I, th I think they're doing special interviews, and Billy Whiteshoes 
Johnson is on there. Oh, well, I, I hope so. If, if it is, I don't know. I'm serious. I don't know. Now, I have gotten to talk to him before at the Super Bowl a couple times, and uh, uh, I think people were <laughs> the people who were working with him were like, man, you're really excited about this. I'm like, that's my guy. I mean, Billy White Shoes, when I was growing up, that was my guy. So uh, if he shows up or calls in or whatever, he goes to the front of the line for sure. Uh, right now, though, Buck Rising, he's no Billy White Shoes Johnson, but he knows the Titans. He covers the Titans. Buck Rising coming up next here on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine live from Indiana. I'm live from the studio. Lucas is live uh, in the control room, and we're going to be live for the next hour and uh, 45 minutes with you right here on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy Friday to each and every one of you out there. Uh, man, big football Friday, beautiful weather. The Houston Oilers are in town. I'm excited about that. Time for our <laughs> weekly visit with Buck Rising. I'm excited about that, too. He's brought to you by Two Rivers Ford, home of the non-commissioned salespeople. Buck, the uh, news out of Indianapolis is this. Uh, their media breathlessly showing clips of Carson Wentz jogging around. Do you like the idea of facing a diminished Carson Wentz? Brett Hundley off the practice squad or um, Jacob Eason? Which one of those three would you prefer? You know, I mean, if I'm the Titans, I think that Eason would still be preferable. Um, and I think it says something about the options behind Carson Wentz that they're trying to give it a go today on Friday. It, I, if I'm a defensive player, and I know Blaine, I'm sure, is going to speak about this at great length, I would, I would love to see Carson Wentz out there because not only is he not – playing terribly consistent football right now outside of scripted plays, he's going to be on two bad ankles, and that's just a defender's dream. If you want to talk about capturing or, and not killing Kyler Murray, well, this is, uh, represents the opportunity for you to just straight tee off on a quarterback who's probably going to be not terribly mobile if he goes. And what's interesting about Indy right now is through the first couple of games, their offensive line, which they paid a lot of money for, has really been struggling. So there should be some opportunities certainly to get after whomever is the quarterback. Yeah, you know, it, it, a lot changed in a year. And this is something the Titans have experienced when they had the best rushing attack and one of the better offensive lines in football in 2017 with DeMarco Murray, something the Cowboys have gone through. It doesn't last very long, that collection of talent because of wear and tear over the years. You've seen uh, their left tackle, Anthony Costanzo, retire. Now you're dealing with a, uh, an Eric Fisher that's coming off an Achilles injury and, and did not look completely right out there on the left side. Quentin Nelson is still very good, but he's only one man on a five-man unit. Braden Smith was out injured against the Los Angeles Rams, and, and, uh, Kelly, and uh, Kelly and their right guard have been solid as a unit. But, again, this is just the depreciation, the time, and, and the physicality of the sports take. So, you know, you're paying for past performance as much as you are future when it comes to these second contracts. But it is interesting to see the way that their running game is struggling more than anything, particularly, particularly on that first drive that the Colts had to start the game against the Rams where – they get it down to the one-yard line. They run three straight dive plays because they're trying to show how tough they are, and they can't do it. So they run a run-action pass on fourth down, and they get Carson Wentz sacked, and everything kind of spirals from there. Buck Rising spirals into our show every Friday. You know him from <laughs> Buck Rising, which comes on before us, and from A to Z Sports, and from a variety of podcasts all around the zone platform. It's Buck Rising on Blaine and Mickey. Yeah, no doubt about it. He spirals right into our show. And, Buck, I have to ask you, man, you just talked about their injuries. What about our house? We need to make sure we take care of our house, and that is the Titans. 
what is an injury update? I know you are on all the pressures, you know, who's up, who's not. Give us a little rundown on uh, who's going to be available and who you think won't be. Well, uh, Taylor Lewan is going to be available on the left side. Mike Vrabel expects him to play on Sunday against the Colts. He has ruled Anthony Ferkser, Derek Roberson, and Caleb Farley all out for Sunday's game. Ferkser dealing with a knee and Caleb Farley with a shoulder. I know Titans fans are not thrilled with the proposition of yet another first-round pick having a slow start to their career, but this is the uh, this is the place that they are currently having to work around at this point. And and the secondary, you know, is something that's still in flux, right? With Dane Crookshank probably going to start after Bradley McDougal blew his opportunity in Seattle and was summarily cut basically after the first half when they inserted Crookshank into the game. The the Titans are going to be, it seems, in, in pretty good shape. But again, there's that question about Lawan and what his actual readiness is outside of just being available and how much he's able to give them on the left side. Man, no one's asses. I don't know if he's been doing press conference interviews or not, but man, you think Autry's going to be a little lit this game, a little revenge factor here for Autry? Danico Autry is a, is a man of precious few words, Blaine. He, uh, he's a big fan of single syllables, and that's kind of how the press conference availability with Danico Autry goes. But Listen, I thought him and Simmons were fantastic together. I thought the way that Bowen used them with those nose uh, nose tackle and, and defensive tackle stunts on the inside were great at generating pressure against Russell Wilson. And I think that he was – what what he did say once he signed here in our first Zoom avail, availability with him was basically, yeah, the Colts had money to pay me. They didn't pay me, and that's, you know, that's going to be on them. So, <laughs> I don't know if it's an outright revenge game for him, but it's definitely in the back of his mind. And they are a very effective combo, the two of them together, and that works to the Titans' advantage right now. No doubt about it. Well, with Buck Rising from the Buck Rising Show right here on 1045 The Zone. I guess give us some, some little nuggets there, uh, Buck, on some of the keys that you think uh, if the Titans do well at this and this on offense and defense, then they'll definitely have a shot of winning this game or will win. Well, I, you know, I, it's hard for me to say they will win, Blaine, because their history <laughs> indicates that that's, that's not anything but a certainty. Um, but they do hold the advantage, certainly, when it comes to their skill position players against the back end of that defense. That, that you know, the Julian Blackman clip went viral uh, of him talking about having the mindset about tackling Derrick Henry, and that's all well and good, but they struggle to cover on the back end. That's really the biggest flaw so far with that Colts defense. It's still a good defense, and the, the guys up front can make up for inadequacies in the back end. But Rocky Sin has been pretty inconsistent since they drafted him a couple of years ago. Um, Xavier Rhodes was on the injury report the last two days. I anticipate that he will be on the injury report again today, and his status is in question. So they're going to be able to attack in the passing game when the Colts load up the box because they're going to come into this thing with the same approach that the Cardinals did and the same approach that uh, Seattle did, which is to stop the run and then make Tannehill try and beat you through the air. That was something that he was able to find success with in Seattle, and this is a home environment. So you would like to see Julio Jones have another good performance, if not you know, outstanding performance as he did against the Seahawks, and really A.J. Brown to just have some kind of consistency that makes him a threat on the outside. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you it, it's – I don't know that the, that the Titans are better than the Colts outright up front, but they have struggled 
significantly to run the ball. That is what this offense is predicated on. Jeff Simmons talked about it throughout the course of the week. They've run the same basic principles, whether it's been Andrew Luck a couple of years ago, Brissett, Phillip Rivers, whomever the quarterback is, now Carson Wentz, they, they have an identity, or at least they want to try and stick to this identity of being a run-first team, much like Tennessee. So if you can find a way to snuff out the run and make whomever is playing quarterback try and beat you, that's something that the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams in the first two games have found success with. Buck, you touched on something there real quick, I guess, is the mindset of the secondary of the Colts in their tackling of Derrick Henry. What did, what did, Black, what did he say that, to tell us that they, they know how to tackle the king? Well, they're saying you have to, you have to be physically, mentally, and other, emotionally prepared to want to tackle Derrick Henry. He's not Ooh. saying that he thinks that they can, although I'm sure he would say that he thinks that they can. <laughs> but what he was saying was, hey, no, you have to go into this saying, I'm going to tackle Derrick Henry. I'm going to be able to bring down Derrick Henry because if you hesitate at all, he's going to throw you into the stands like a child, like he did with Josh Norman <laughs> not too long ago, or bounce you off the turf like he did to Quandre Diggs not a week ago. So um, I, I respect that he is, he is mentally coaching himself up to be like, all right, I'm going to throw my body at the moving car. I'm going to throw my body at the moving car. And when he does that, just pray to God that he doesn't end up on SportsCenter's not top ten. Yeah, well, I had that mindset every game I played because everybody I felt like was Derrick Henry to me when I was playing. But we're on with Buck Rising from the Buck Rising Show. Buck, it's interesting. I saw you tweeted about this, and my wife and I had the game on, well, just in and out of the room last night for her, but I was watching it. And McCaffrey goes down, uh, injured a non-contact injury. That guy's such a good player, but he's just turning out to be less and less available. And again, like I said, you tweeted about this. As great as Derrick Henry is, one of his greatest characteristics is that rascal is always available. You you can't get to 2,000 yards if you're not on the field. Yeah. You have to play all 16 games as he did to be able to eclipse that particular marker. It's what makes Derrick Henry such a wonder because at that position, it's almost it's near impossible to stay the kind of available that Derrick Henry does. I mean, hell, look at Darrington Evans, who hasn't really played many NFL snaps and just perpetually can't get out on the field. All these second contract running backs, that's why I was scared of the second contract for Derrick Henry, because for whatever reason, I was thinking at the time that he was some kind of human and turned out he's an alien. <laughs> so with Derrick, you know, I know people got mad at me because that's some kind of a jinx or whatever. And if Derrick Henry gets hurt, it's not going to be because I tweeted. It's because football happened to Derrick Henry. But so far, Derrick Henry has avoided letting football happen to him. Or as he was joking yesterday at the podium, he has, he's pretty good at hiding it. So whatever Derrick Henry's doing and whatever recovery process, because I know it's pretty extensive. I know some of the people that he works with on that side of things. And it is a full, full-on process each and every week to get this guy physically ready to go. Um, he's, he's figured out a formula to make it successful. And outside of fluke happenstances or – or, you know, just physically being able to hold up Derrick Henry's best asset at this point is not, is not just to be able to break a game open, but to be able to be there every Sunday to have that possibility to do so. So he has success because he's always there. It seems like quarterbacks like Ryan Tannehill and now Sam Darnold are having success because Adam Gase isn't there. Sam Darnold, this is like the second most yards a quarterback is thrown for in his first three games with a new team. 
Tannehill is a completely different dude without Adam Gase. This has been a fascinating case study to watch. Yeah, so next time somebody takes a, or gives a job out based on a Peyton Manning recommendation and does no other due diligence, after the fact, you probably shouldn't do that just because Peyton Manning said so. That was so dumb what the Jets did. And now, you know, I, I saw Kevin Clark's thread from the ringer last night where he's saying, yeah, you know, Darnold got better, Tannehill got better, LSU won the championship the year after he left, his high school team won the state championship the year after he graduated, Adam Gase is basically football poison and you should probably avoid him. Buck Rising, never poison, joins us on Blaine and Mickey. I don't know. That was pretty well. That was pretty toxic. What I just did, Mickey. But I appreciate you trying to count it. <laughs> what? What did you do that you could not resist? Could you? Well, because I think people that are bad at their jobs shouldn't continue to get rewarded with more jobs, and that's been Gates' <laughs> entire career. That pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, you, you're absolutely right. I completely agree with you, but uh, I just wouldn't have said it that way. But no, we're on with Buck Rising with the Buck Rising Show, and Buck last week. You know, Ferkser goes down. You know, Julio's having a solid day. Get his touchdown call back. You know, A.J. Brown's having a tough day. Some dropsies here or there. But some guy named Pruitt. It wasn't the Pruitt brothers from the Browns either, by the way. <laughs> it was Mike Pruitt. Man, do you think someone else is going to step up? Or are the two big boys there on the outside going to have a field day? Because I don't know if Xavier Rhodes, I think he practiced the corner. But everybody's going after that carry kid. I know he's a backup, but, man, I, I see 200-yard days by the receivers. What do you think? Man, I, I think that's exactly where their best, best matchup on the field is right now, Blaine. And, and as we talked mm -hmm. about earlier, you know, I think that they can very easily be exploited. And, and, A.J., they have had success. Even last year when they got their asses kicked on Thursday night football, it wasn't because their opportunities weren't there down the field. They were finding ways to get open against the Colts secondary, and A.J. Brown had a, a pretty egregious drop in that game, too. In fact, that's the last time I've seen him have that kind of a drop since uh, prior to Seattle. So they are going to have those opportunities. This is a secondary. And, again, they're all professional athletes. They can all find ways to make plays. I don't want to dismiss them outright because they, they haven't been great as a unit the last couple of years. But that's definitely the point where they're weakest collectively and they should be able to – I think that they should be able to really, really find some plays, some success down the field if they can create their play-action passing game the way that they want to. How is Bud Dupree doing with the knee injury? I, I know they, he's limited, but everybody expects him to play on, on Sunday, correct? That's the expectation. But I thought Brable had an interesting comment today where he said they're still kind of figuring out the best way to handle his recovery process. It's mm -hmm. as much about, you know, how they're doing it and how it's responding to playing on game day, because he's playing a ton of snaps. And I know that people were seeing the pro football focus. Uh, I can't remember who for pro football focus tweeted it out, but the fact that he's only got three pressures on the year and Clowney has something like eight, and I'm not going to get into the pressures argument again versus sacks because we've all done that at great length. Um, but for Bud Dupree, they are, they are, however they're managing it, he's responding better than, for example, somebody like Taylor Lewan to the rehab and recovery process that they're going through. But it is, at the end of the day, still something that takes more time. Because remember, it's just been since December. December the 2nd is when he tore his ACL, and he's out there, and he's playing a ton. So they're, they're, they're clearly not worried enough about it to try and spell him more the way that they've been saying that they wanted to do with Harold Landry for years and just haven't done it yet. Um, but it is going to be interesting to monitor 
how he continues to hold up as we progress through the season because I, I, do, I do think that you have to be cautious with him um, and that at this point, that caution, you know, it's easy to forget just because you need help off the edge. Don't, you don't need to play him all of the snaps like they have been doing. One other thing, I saw John Glennon wrote an article about, you know, uh, the 10 game winning drives by Mr. Clutch Tanny Hill. Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't read the article, but, you know, I, I want to see him be clutch in the playoffs. I don't know if that was part of that equation or not. But when you think of Tanny Hill, do you think of clutch? Uh, I mean, as a Titan, hell yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is Blaine. I literally just got back from Seattle where he had one of the best performances I I saw from quarterbacking on Sunday and certainly one of the best quarterbacking uh, uh, performances that I've seen him have in his, what, two, maybe two and a half year stint here in Tennessee. He's He is incredibly efficient and effective. He's comfortable. It's clear they trust him a ton. Because he's doing whether he's audibling or not at the line of scrimmage, he clearly talks a ton at the line of scrimmage as he was as he's done the past two weeks. So he's making the corrections in real time. He's as big a part of their success as anybody. And I know Derek's the highlight reel, and he's got the stiff arm, and everybody loves to throw that on Sports Center. But Ryan Tannehill, this doesn't go. It didn't go before Ryan Tannehill, and it's gonna. It would be tough to make it go after Ryan Tannehill with how the team is currently constructed. Ryan Tannehill's a great player at that position, and he's, he's right up there with Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, with how well he's performed since he's been with this team. Right. I'm not going to go that far, but I've definitely been a Tannehill guy. I just need to see him doing in the playoffs. But I completely agree with you in that, you know, he is clutch. And I don't think they would have won the game without him, but yet Derrick Henry gets all the accolades. Because they started passing on first down and went out there passing to then open up the lanes a little bit, make them a little looser. Would there have been no lanes for old King in the last game versus Seattle? That's a lot. That's a lot of what happened against Arizona, right? They they abandoned yeah. they abandoned mm-hmm. the running game pretty quickly, and then it just turned into okay, we got to stop the pass, and the run's already suffocated. So what do we need to what do we need to mess with all that for? Um, I think that I think that you're spot on after that first drive where they went run, run, pass, and everybody in the press box is, press box is pulling their hair out because what the hell are you doing again with this? Um, but Todd Downing, I thought, was, was much more – I don't think focused is the right word, but he was much more dedicated in his approach against Seattle than he was against Arizona. I thought the quarterback really fed off that, and it allowed those opportunities for Derrick Henry. Because if you look – I mean, if you look – at the line play, the line play wasn't overwhelming. They weren't executing their blocking assignments as well as I think people might have thought they were just because the box score for Derek looked the way that it did. Derek Henry is a special player. He can make those plays like a quarterback outside of structure. Derek Henry can make plays outside of structure because he's special. Ryan Tannehill allows them within that structure to be able to make the plays uh, in the in through the uh, through the passing game the same way that Derrick Henry allows them to do in their running attack. Buck Rising hanging out with us here. Uh, before we let you go, Buck, I, I know you obviously pay a lot of attention to uh, college football on Saturdays. You talk about that on all your platforms. If you're Josh Heupel, put on your hat. Which quarterback are you starting tomorrow if both of your guys are healthy? Who are you starting? Hooker, because I don't want to see overthrows, and I need to operate efficiently, and that's not something that Mil- uh, Joe Milton does right now. Oh, there you go. That was quick. <laughs> I think we got Short. your second career there, Buck. To I think the you point. need to be a head coach. 
<laughs> Listen, I, uh, boys, whether I'm right or I'm wrong, I'm always decisive about it. So I can, I can give you that and be completely sure of myself until, of course, something goes completely wrong that I couldn't have foreseen. So, you know, you do what you can. Uncle Buck, always good stuff, man. We appreciate it. Uh, people can always catch you before us. And even on Sundays, uh, you'll be on at 9, and then we'll be on at 10. So plenty more Buck Rising coming people's way this weekend. You can't shake me, but I appreciate you boys having me on. Always uh, Buck Rising. Hey, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck, our guest, he comes and stays with us when our parents leave town and makes us a giant pancake. That's what Uncle Buck does. <laughs> Please don't. Gets us out of trouble at parties and more. Uh, when we come back, Rep Ryan is in the studio, and he just said, stay tuned. So when we come back, stay tuned, because something's going to happen. It's Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Mickey Ryan in Nashville. Blaine checking in uh, from his lovely high school, Cathedral. And uh, if you think there are people from your high school who have done things, ask Blaine one of these days how many NFL people have come from his high school. He can't even name them all. Olympians, they got everything at Cathedral. So uh, he's one of the mid-talented people from his high school back there today as part of a special day. So uh, very cool. They they have TV screens in in the the classrooms these days with all this calculus here. My best buddy just came came in the room, Nick Mello who really actually had me running hills up this hill to the, get to this campus. I was running them with him. He's, he's naturally running his own company. Now he went to Butler too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, man, this is, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is my life, man. This is my family here, man. So it's good to be back. Always refreshing. It brings a bolt of energy uh, just coming here and just thinking about all the, the good old days. And this was part of my life and developed me in, uh, developed me in who I am today. Well, I get to work with who you are today for two hours every day, so I appreciate who you are today. I appreciate Rick Bryan. He's in the studio, Blaine. He was like, hey, I'm going to come in later. So I, his microphone is open. <laughs> he's got, like, a headset on. He's got really two microphones. So I, I, he must have a lot to say. What's going on, RB? Man, I just I know how jazzed up you are about this Oilers reunion. Yes. Uh-oh. And, uh you know, how much that means to you. And it means a lot to me because I, I, I remember all these dudes when I was a kid, pretty much. And, you know, I, I you said, well, are you going to bring like Billy White Shoes Johnson on the radio? I'm like, I, you know what? That would have been a great idea. <laughs> I, I don't have oh, something. you didn't do that right. I, I don't oh. have something that spectacular. But what I do have is peeling through something in my old uh, football card collection. I, I got something to send to you right now here. Okay. Oh, man. What did he give you? It so, is a Billy White Shoes football card. It's signed yeah, by Billy White it's Shoes. It's 2004 Upper ah. Deck Legends uh, football edition, and it's an autographed card of Billy White Shoes Johnson legendary signatures that I've had in my collection for many years. Wow. That's, the, that's the guy that used to do the wiggle with the legs, right? Is yeah, that the, that's it. The you know, fun I was, I was a little toddler, yes. you know, but I, I remember looking back at some videos on YouTube on him. Oh yeah, <laughs> number eighty-four. Oh man, that's Rhett, dude. This is uh, I got goosebumps. This is the coolest thing, man. Um, yeah. Eighty-four was Haywood Jeffries. Well, for you, uh, certainly. <laughs> hey, that's a different eighty-four, but yes, you're you're right in both cases. Let's so, talk about this yeah. for a second, though, because the Titans honoring the Oilers, which is their history, which is their perfect right, and something that everybody I know is enjoying, except for people in Houston. That's right. And the people in Houston are madder than a wet cat about this. <laughs> And I was thinking about this. 
A wet cat? Yes. Think wow. how mad a wet cat is. That's what I call my son when he gets mad is the wet cat. So think about this. Everybody who loves the Titans, they always talk about Steve McNair, Eddie George, Bruce Matthews, Blaine Bishop, yep. Frank Wycheck. Right. Think about it. What were all those guys? Houston Oilers. All of them. Yes. Oh. All you guys, Blaine who are the backbone of this whole thing, who built the whole thing. They built it on the backs of all you guys who came here and helped start this deal. All you guys were Houston Oilers, and you were Tennessee Oilers, and you were Tennessee Titans. I mean, I'm looking at you right now. I'm doing a radio show with you. Rhett Bryan covered those Oilers teams. The Oilers are the Titans, and the Titans are the Oilers. You can hate that in Houston all you want, but it just is what it is. Yeah, I mean, you can't have the Titans without having the Oilers. It just doesn't work. And look, as a caveat, when when Mr. Adams wanted to move the team to Nashville and he you know, was in concessions with Commissioner Tagliabue in the league and all that, one of the concessions, he's like, look, I know I'm going to give up some other things in other places, but I, I'm keeping my NIL, if you will. I'm keeping all the history books, the whole deal, the powder blues, the whole of Columbia blue, everything. I'm keeping all of that. And, uh, you know, look, the fact that, here in a couple of years, you're going to be able to wear throwbacks. Now, that's a day I'm ready for right there is to see that. Um, but, yeah, this is really uh, – we talked to Warren Moon on an official Titans podcast that is Oilers-centric, Mike Keith and I, and he is so appreciative of what Amy Adams Strunk is doing to try – just remembering all of these guys because you're right. If you're a Houston Oiler only because you played several decades ago – you're kind of in purgatory. You don't have an alumni weekend. You don't have a, you know, mm-hmm. because you can't really do anything in Houston. And so she's, you know, there's 80 guys coming in here in this thing. And, I mean, it's a who's who's list. I mean, Mike Rogier's going to be here this week. Um, Mike Renfro's going to be here. Whoa. You know, you're talking about should down, have. By the way. Yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah, you know, and he went to school guess. with Mac. He went to school with Coach Mac. He oh, was man. a freshman Whoa. when Mac was a senior at TCU. And you talk about a guy, you know, this is the controversy with no instant replay in the 79 AFC championship game against the Steelers. Yeah, I imagine mean, the Steelers getting a call. But Robert, Robert Brazil, Dr. Doom, spoke in front of the media earlier today before practice. He said, I, you know, I guess we're all Oilers, but I think we're going to die as Titans. And I'm okay with that. Oh, wow. wow. But there's Good some, time. you know, I mean, Billy White, Shoes Johnson, Warren Moon, Webster Slaughter. I mean, you, you name it. There's a lot of great people here this weekend. And, Blaine, that's part of your history. That's got to be a cool thing for you to have all these guys here because some of the later ones are guys you would have known or played with. or You played with Warren Moon, for goodness sakes. Yeah, I got one year with all of some of the great players that I watched actually growing up, you know, as a kid, you know, in middle school and high school. And then to get to, you know, play against them in practice every day was pretty Pretty phenomenal in that I learned a lot from just that one year of the things I needed to do. Webster Slot, I was playing slot. A lot of people don't know I was playing corner at the time. Uh, and he really helped me develop as a slot corner. Uh, and that became the nickel, then the dime. And his quickness and stopping on a dime was just impeccable. It was, I mean, nobody could touch it. And then, you know, naturally with the wear and tear from the Cleveland Brown days, mm-hmm. one time he planted one time too many times and ACL, and then boom, you're in year 11, and then you don't recover. Uh, so I hated to see that. But seeing, you know, William Fuller, Sean Jones on the defensive side, we had Chris Dishman, uh, Haywood Jeffries on offense, Curtis Duncan, I think some of the guys are going to be in town as well. Richard as, uh, Childers is going to be here this weekend. 
Ray Childress. Richard mm-hmm. Childress. Yeah, I'm sorry, Ray Childress. Yeah. Say, yeah, Richard Ray could come too. Yeah, he's the car. NASCAR guy. Sorry, got my Childress' is yeah, wrong. I, I got one, one year with some phenomenal, I mean, great, great players. Uh, you know, and that's just to name a handful of them, you know. So anyway, just think, I played – Mike Munchak's last year yes. as an oiler. <laughs> well, you, you played oiler. on that Oilers team before they had to take a TNT box to it in what was then the salary cap age. Yeah. So you yeah, had all yeah. of those megastars there, and there you yeah. are right in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. Nobody was paying attention to me. <laughs> that's okay you you were there you know what though you were there and you lived to tell about it man and it probably made you a better player but one one thing i didn't know and, and mickey kind of alluded he named a whole bunch of players that were part of the process that were houston oilers tennessee oilers and tennessee Titans. i want to give you a quiz question there red i know you you and mike Keith know all and everything about the organization <laughs> okay. and that is how many players were houston oilers Tennessee Oilers and Tennessee Titans. Can you name them? Well, I mean, there's Eddie, Frank, Steve, you, um, Bruce, Bruce, Marcus Robertson. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's. I'm sure there's more. I thought you were going to ask me, like, do I remember Hisham El Mashtub on the offensive line or Isaiah Mustafa? Because <laughs> I don't remember. And I don't know the answer. I was just assuming, you know. But I, no, I, I, I mean, the there's list. more than, than what I named, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. Because uh, roster turnover every year. So there was roster turnover the 97 season, the 98 season, the 99 season. But, uh, you know, I'd say there's a few more there, but not a ton more. But uh, B-Hop would have been another one, Blaine, your guy oh, B-Hop. Brad Hopkins, Brad Hopkins was, uh, that's right. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Well, I, but mm. they, listen to the people we're naming, though. Like, oh, yeah. just legends, all of them. No I doubt. Mean, that's what's so crazy is all of you guys, Blaine, all of you were pro bowlers, all pro, mm-hmm. just bedrock pieces of the franchise. That's what's so amazing. That's why the team survived the move, went 8-8, eight 8-8, and 8-8, eight, eight and 8-8, eight and 8-8, eight and eight and three different, in three different buildings, and then went to the dang Super Bowl. It's because of... The, the people that have been put on the team. Oh, I'm convinced that y'all those those vagabond years for y'all is where you where you cut your teeth. I'm convinced of that. And you know, Javon Curse was the lightning in the bottle that put everything in the tipping point over the top, and the rest is history. Yeah, there it is, Red Brian. All right. Well. I, the, we have to take commercial breaks, or I could, you know I could go all day Absolutely. on this. I uh, just wanted to I just wanted to pass something along to you because I know that's your guy. Billy White shoes Johnson. I man, I loved watching him play when I was a kid. But uh, anyway, I just it's a little Oilers thing, yeah. and it gave us a chance to talk about some Oilers stuff. And yeah. hey, now the Titans got to go beat the Colts and go two and one. That's what's got to happen there. Absolutely, right. make the Colts All zero right. and three. All right, I'm about to go Google Billy White shoes Johnson see if I remember. All right, Blaine's going to watch highlights <laughs> here. Let us old guys talk about it. He's going to watch some videos. I, I would recommend if you don't know about him because maybe you're younger and you don't know. Seriously. Watch some Billy White's use highlights. You will be mesmerized that this tiny human being could do what he did on an NFL football field. Seriously, go watch the highlights. Billy and a generation White's one end zone dance too, touchdown dance. I mean, you know, there aren't many of those guys back then. No, the funky so, chicken. That's uh, right. Billy White's use. All right, hour number two coming up. We'll get into uh, some college football talk and Jags and Gators talk with Matt Hayes. We'll tell you who's injured and who's not. We got all that information with the Titans and the Colts next.